Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast and interview series. It's on Facebook. It's also on uh, iTunes and uh, Google Podcast as we're walking through places in which the gospel intersects with how we live as Christians in a world that's uh, looking different, but also a world that even when this gets back to normal, the gospel still influences everything that we do. And so we have the pleasure this week of uh, sitting down with uh, one of my good friends, um, Ryan Lister, actually our family and his family, I don't know how many years it's been now, if we do. 42, 42 years. 42 years. It's been six years, it's felt like 42 years of uh, getting together with our families during the summer. And so we'll see if uh, COVID-19 lets us do that again this year. Socially distanced? We, we'll, we'll socially distance, it's a big dock. We can get on other ends. It's a big lake. It's, it's a big lake, yes. And so I'm going to have Ryan uh, introduce himself um, and uh, kind of the concentric spheres you have in your life. Why don't you introduce us to your family first and then what it is you're doing in Portland, and then uh, we can start working through some stuff. Sure. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Ryan Lister. I am originally from uh, the South, so you may hear that sort of creep out occasionally with a few words here and there. Um, like caramel? Uh, like caramel. Exactly. Exactly. Um and uh, so we moved out to uh, the Northwest. We're in Portland, Oregon. We moved out about five, five and a half years ago. Uh, what originally brought us out was Western Seminary, uh, where I teach theology. And yeah, I've been doing that for, for five years. It's been really, really good, really, really fun. That's how I got to know Tyler. Um, and so <clears throat> we ended up uh, connecting um, with a, a local church called Trinity Church of Portland. And in that relationship and are in those relationships there, ended up connecting with uh, Humble Beast, which was and is to a degree, a sort of uh, a Christian hip hop or Christian music label. Uh, simultaneously, it's um, also becoming a Christian creative discipleship ministry. So that's kind of where I've been dovetailed in, trying to help out with that. Uh, and also I've been uh, been able to join uh, the staff of Trinity Church of Portland about, uh, almost, I guess it's about a year and a half, two years ago, maybe somewhere in there where I'm a, where I'm a pastor uh, on staff and sort of in an associate role there. So that's where... Uh, that's kind of all my concentric circles. Now, with respect to my family, I have a lot of concentric circles there. <laughs> uh, my my wife's name is Chase, uh, and uh, we've been married for oh, we're going on 20, 20 years. Wow! Yeah, this year's twenty. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. It's it's none of my doing. It's none of my doing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> she's extremely gracious and able to see past a lot. Um, so we've been married for about 20, 20 years and, uh, we have four kiddos. Our oldest is 13 is Jude. Then it goes Silas, who's 11, Abby Kate, who is eight. And then it goes to Asher, who is five. And this week we were able to get Asher to ride a bicycle by himself. Look at that. He was def definitely afraid for about a year. He took a bad spill about a year ago. And then my wife had the brilliant idea. So this is all to, to how to parent, right? My wife had a brilliant idea of saying, listen, if, if you give it another shot, 
and you're able to ride your bike up and down the street, turning, being able to start, we'll get you a Lego set. Ooh, look at that. Kid nailed it in two days. <laughs> That's, uh, you just got to oh, find the right oh, way to motivate. That's right. It's motivation. So Yeah. I've always thought of Chase as just a gifted motivator. She screams motivation. She is. Yes, She's... she does. She does. Well, well um, she to come see us with caramel cake. She does come see us with caramel cake. Yeah, I need to come see you guys for caramel cake. Car Chase's caramel cake, Sovereign Hope, is uh, one of the the there's a there's a handful of reasons that keep me going in life. All good reasons that God has given, and Chase's caramel cake ranks in in certainly the top five. So yeah. Uh, you've also written some books. You've written a book on the presence of God. You've written a book on um, theology and creativity. And you have most recently um, written and had illustrated by one of the other guys um, who is at Humble Beast, Anthony Vendetto, this book called Emblems of the Infinite King. It is uh, a gorgeous book. I don't know if you're listening on the podcast, me holding this up to the camera does absolutely nothing for you. Um, but if you if call you me, I could, I could talk you Use through words. it. Use words to describe it. Yeah, it's, it's a, uh, the only words I have are from watching Food Network shows, which fail me horribly when describing a book. Um, but uh, you writing this book, you having four kids is part of the reason why I wanted to talk with you, because as we are uh, sheltering at home with our families, we are spending more time with our kids, which is hopefully bringing up more conversations as kids are uh, seeing you read the Bible. Perhaps you're reading the Bible with your kids. We are talking about things in the world. Um, even my oldest, Owen, at seven is is hearing people talk about death and sickness and disease and hope. And he's trying to, to grapple with, you know, how does God fit in with all of this? Uh, and this book is unique because it's a systematic theology, but it's a systematic theology written for um, kids kind of aged 10 through 13, I think you said was your, your target group with that. And uh, so this season pre presents a unique opportunity for us to not only do family worship and devotion, but actually to talk through things that are really theological issues, providence, fear, death, resurrection. Um, and uh, my first question for you is, is you have a PhD from Southern in systematics. You've been teaching systematic theology. What was it like for you to write a systematic theology for kids um, as distinctive writing for your average seminary student or um, scholar? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people would say the role was just dumbing it all down. And I would say, I, I tried to avoid doing that. Um, I tried more to sort of shift it from, you know, saying, hey, let's make this really easy to understand to more what kind of language is going to really, really work here. So I didn't want to pull any theological sort of punches, if you will. I wanted it all to be there, um, but I wanted it in a way that was, of course, accessible. So I tried as best I could to take large, massive concepts that we have difficulty understanding ourselves and to think about them in a, from, <clears throat> from, you know, like a 10 year old, 12 year old, 14 year old mind. How are they going to conceptualize these? How are they going to, what, what kind of imagery is going to sort of help uh, with these ideas? Um, and, and, and simultaneously, I wanted it, <clears throat> to be something that they could 
live into. So I didn't want it to be just you know, like throwing stuff up on like a blackboard or, or a whiteboard or something and say, here's all the facts, enjoy. Um, that's why I chose to use second person, you language, because I wanted them, I wanted to try my best to push them into the story and to simultaneously give it a story arc so that there is a, there, there is sort of these little points. So you're getting, you're getting content, but it's less classroom. It's more sort of hopefully a, an adventure. You're going somewhere. So that's sort of holding them in um, while they're also learning these massive truths uh, that are, I think, accessible and understandable to, 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 to them. I want to say, so this is sort of my my big statement uh, regarding this book. It's it, it's kids aren't necessarily unable to understand. I just want to say that they're thinking about it differently than a lot of us are. And I think that's absolutely wonderful and beautiful and amazing. And that actually helps us as teachers and as preachers and as parents to sort of think through, okay, how do I do this? better? How do I do this in a different way? How do I bring imagination mm -hmm. to it? How do I sort of raise a level of, I mean, in terms of Lewis enchantment kind of stuff? It's like, how do we, yeah. how do we make this not just content, but how do we make it beautiful? That's the way it was meant to be from the beginning. That's why our Bibles yeah. are story-based. So. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening, who, um, Go to Sovereign Hope. Uh, by the time this comes out, we will have finished our Easter series, which uh, looked at kind of the the story of the gospel through through four different theme, themes: Jesus is King, Jesus is Lamb, Jesus is Firstborn, and Jesus is Groom. And Ooh, what I, I love like that. Yeah, good you job. Like that? Yeah, good thanks. Job. Well, and that's what I love about this is, and and you know this is, uh, there's these. Uh, categories of theology: systematic theology, which is generally propositional and um, uh, like like the facts, the truth about what's there, what scripture claims to be true at the highest level. And then there's biblical theology, which is kind of the unfolding story. And what I love about biblical theology is in seeing the story of scripture, it makes sense of the story of our lives because we can see ourselves in the right spot in scripture and it makes sense of our longings. And even in the name of your book and what you do throughout here is you're building a systematic theology that teaches people truths about God, but it's not just abstract truths um, that we hope they understand, but in even connecting it to the emblems of an infinite king, it's this story of a king that calls us to interact with it. Um, and so I think it's really helpful because it's it's easy for us to, to tell our kids, you know, God is in charge. Um, but right now during this time, the issue of authority is being presented to them in living color as authority figures are telling them where to go. And they're wondering what's going on in our world. And so the story of, of this King who's ruling actually gets pressed into our lives where the sovereignty, the authority of this King changes my fears and my hopes and my bedtime prayers. And so I think you've done a really good job um, in this book. And it's something that we use with uh, my oldest son as part of his schooling from home right now. Um, working through specific parts of it. What was it like? I have a question for you, for uh, you in this, and maybe you have a good answer. Maybe you don't have a good answer, but you know, <laughs> probably the latter. Yes. <laughs> um, what led you uh, as, as a father, as a, as a pastor, what led you to write a book 
of systematic theology, which is generally reserved, you know, for mature Christians, but to write it for kids, kids who are, um, I mean, two of your kids are in that age range that you were talking about here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it <clears throat> sort of, it sort of came out of a couple of relationships that, that sort of, I was, I was making in, and actually making through humble beast. Um, so I have a good friend is Anthony or Tony, Tony Benedetto, the, the illustrator for this. Um, and Tony was actually, uh, I, I was, you know, in the humble beast studios, just thinking just how gifted and talented he is. And I was thinking about how could I actually help sort of expand, uh, you know, options for him. Because uh, because he was looking for, I mean, it's very practical. <laughs> he was looking for more yeah. work, uh, and so I reached out to a couple of uh, Christian um, uh, Christian book distributors. I think that's not yeah, CBD, not CBD, but <laughs> you know, like the like the the, the publishing houses. So right, um, and I just said, hey, this guy's really good. I think he'd be great uh, for maybe cover art design. Anything you guys are doing illustrate uh, illustration wise, and one of those was Crossway. Crossway publishers out of uh, sort of the Chicago area are are really sort of you know especially within the evangelical world really open and uh, pursuing uh, beautiful uh, artistic creative ways of presenting a God honoring God centered biblically centered uh, truths uh, and so when I sent uh, his, um, you know, his work to the guy I knew there, the guy wrote back uh, immediately and actually called Tony and said, Tony, listen, we want to work with you. What can we do? Uh, and that's how this project kind of came to be. Um, mm -hmm. we were thinking, uh, we were thinking about, okay, what's some space where, uh, where this kind of gifting can be mm. expressed both in word and an art form and simultaneously thinking, where is there a place where this hasn't happened yet? As you, you know, you're used to, uh, there's some really great resources for younger kids. Right. And so we're thinking, you know, Jesus storybook Bible, big picture story, but the picture, big picture Bible, those kind of things that are there for parents to be reading with their kids. But then there was this gap between that and, you know, when you get into college um, and, you know, you're wrestling with these things on your own. And we wanted to say, what if we created sort of a bridge type mm. uh, work that that was both beautiful and designed? So pulling pulling on on those heartstrings of imagination that are still vibrant in a uh, in, in, in an in an older child, a, a younger teen. Uh, but simultaneously pushing sort of this uh, this theology a little bit deeper. So it's something. So the way I envisioned it, the way we pitched it to Crossway was, what if there is something? What, what if there's a resource, a book that wasn't just something that parents read beside their kids, but was was a book that was actually on the kids' bedside table, something that they could read on their own. They could pick up. They would be looking through all the images, um, you know, I'm even thinking in my head, you know, they're, you know, maybe disobeying their parents while they read this book uh, right. right into the night, uh, that kind of thing. That's yeah. what I wanted to, to, to offer, to, to put out there. 
And I, I and in many ways, I think it's it's done that. It's done that. So mm -hmm. if you if, like, it's, it's interesting if you you read the reviews, like those who see it as a kids book that they should be reading with their kids. Many uh, some people get frustrated by that and say, "This is just too deep." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, that, I mean, that doesn't. I mean, come back to it. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but this was written for those who can like can put it in their hands. Uh, yeah. They can thumb through it, look at it, look at the images, pick it up, and walk with them as they grow older too. Yeah, and that's a uh, one thing that's really nice, especially when you think of the the different ways that kids learn and grow, is that the art is very much it's it's part of the book. Like like mm -hmm. it's a it's a book that's incomplete without the art, and art yeah, yeah. is incomplete without the words. And so, mm -hmm. um, it really does. I love uh, it's a, a C.S. Lewis thing that's a big paradigm in our parenting of just. Uh, Narnia existed to baptize a child's imagination, mm -hmm. to make it click so that, oh, God is like Aslan and I have mm -hmm. a paradigm. And always this art and the beauty that's in it and, and what's communicating um, helps kids not only, uh, it helps them dream theologically. It helps them yeah, dream yeah. about God in a way yeah. that, that I think is, is really admirable. Yeah. And I, I have Which a question. Tough. It's tough for Protestants because Protestants typically are sort of, they've had, they've had this thing in the background of saying, hey, we don't need a lot of imagery. Uh, especially, you know, coming out of the Reformation, though, there's a lot of work you have to unpack that. That's not always yeah. the case. But um, I think we've seen in a, in a lot of sense, especially in the lower church, sort of understanding of, of art and what that is and how that can get in the way of uh, we wanted to say that's true and you need to be careful there. But you can also use it. These are things. These are gifts God has given his people um, to be used well. So going back to like what you're talking about with. With, with Lewis, the imagination isn't something that we need to cut off. It's something that we can use and has been God given to help us understand, understand him and right. simultaneously understand ourselves in light of who he is. And if you think about all of scripture, scripture is constantly throwing at you these images. So even what you just talked about with regard to your, uh, your Holy Week preparation, I mean, you're just, you're doing imagery, right? It's just yep. boom, 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 boom. And that is given to us so that we can understand something infinite uh, in, in a way that in a way that we can hold on to, we can tangibly. So I know what a king is. Yep. Uh, I know what a bridegroom is. So these kind of that kind of stuff. So I mean, the reality is God's doing it for us. Like let, let's let's help our kids do it too. Let's let's walk them through this and and use that beauty for. Uh, yeah, for the Lord's beauty. So I think that brings up uh, uh, the next great question. And and what does it look like? Wait, is it great because you're asking it? A great a, a great need in my soul that I need <laughs> you and your great bearded wisdom to, to help me with um, is uh, what does it look like to walk your kids through um, not only an understanding of the story of scripture and like the typical, you know, stories they're going to get in Sunday school, but actually to help them create a theology of, of God um, mm -hmm. in their mind. What does it look like? Cause it's so distinct and you have this privilege of uh, like people always say it's easiest to, for kids to learn languages when they're immersed in it. And mm -hmm. in a Christian home, your kids are being immersed in the language of God um, where, when you get into, whether it's a Bible school or a seminary or su like a, an adult Sunday school class later, it can, it's kind of disconnected and you're learning it propositionally and you're sure. learning it in contrast to what has happened prior to that in your life. Um, but what does it look like to wed the narrative of scripture 
with an understanding of the truths about God? How has that unfolded for you, even as you thought about how you, you wrote it in here and how you've encountered it in your own kids' lives? Yeah, so I, I guess I would say this is understanding that the narrative of scripture is extending even today. So the narrative isn't done. God's work in the world, God's drama isn't just completely. So we have it in scripture. We have uh, sort of the, the stage guide. We have the script in a lot of ways. But we also know that it's continually unfolding. And so what that does for me is it says, so, so to apply this specifically to parenting. Is that what you're asking me to do? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, to, apply, to apply it specifically to parenting is to recognize that, um, not, not, to, not to make it more than it is, but to recognize that every single day is a, is a place in that drama, uh, is a place in that narrative. So it means to me, uh, and, and let me just be the first to say these last like three weeks have been like the most uninteresting drama ever. <laughs> it feels like one massive day with occasional food, like lunch and, and thrown in there and, and maybe a nap. It just right. feels like one massive day. So 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 un, untwisting that and trying to figure that out is is important and, and how to how to distinguish those things and, and make distinct uh, things during the day is important, especially with your kids. But back to the point. The, the narrative the, the narrative continues we're still in the we're still in that drama right now so practically what does that mean that that means that every single moment is uh, a time before the face of God and a time to learn about him but that doesn't mean you take every single moment that would drive your kids batty. <laughs> They would, they would just be crazy. But it just means that your ears and your eyes are attuned to see them and yourself and your, the, the relationship you have with them through that grid. Mm. So that when, I mean, you could do it as easy when, when you, so you, you watch a show with them and then you talk about things, not that you say, okay, now we're gonna sit down, I'm gonna want, I want you to write a 15 page essay on the worldview that came out of this show. No, you just ask little little questions. And that's the other thing too. That's the other thing that the narrative does, uh, that sort of the narrative mindset does, is it, it pushes you out of propositional, just saying, here are 15 facts that you need to learn. Mm -hmm. And it allows you as a parent to just question and to ask and to sort of loop them in and just to see where they are. So recognizing them less as students under like under your authority per se, which they, I mean, they are, but also as people- Especially who are, now when yeah, they've been kicked yeah. into our homes. Yeah, yeah. But also recognizing that they are, they, they are, um, to continue maybe stretching this metaphor too, too far, but they're characters in this act with you. Um, so they're alongside you too. So it's not just you authoritatively over them, but it's, it's also, walking with them, talking with them, listening to them, and recognizing that that drama, that narrative is, is a drumbeat in their own heart too. It's, it's, it's something that they're living out. So I'll be honest, some of the best conversations I've had with my kids have, have well, let me just rephrase that. None of the best conversations I've had with my kids about God have been within like family corporate worship time. Yep. To, to be honest, those, the, that's when I'm, uh, I'm doing my, my most like just wrangling of cats, like trying yep. 
you know, you got four kids going every, every which way. The best times that I've had have been smaller groups right before they go to bed. Oftentimes they'll ask this massive question because they don't want to go to bed and you, you utilize that time. So my daughter was asking about the Trinity before she went to bed a couple of months ago. Abby Kate asks about the Trinity to expand bedtime. Uh, Ellie just tells me she's poopy to expand well, bedtime. Well, I mean, so. there's connections there probably. <laughs> you know, yes. you know, both have work to do. But that's yes, that's cool. right. Um, so, so it's that, and, and it's, um, you know, walking, just walking with them and asking them questions about their, their day. I mean, that's the narrative that mm. the fact that God is pressing into those moments and you're just helping them see where he is during those times. And then, yeah, just asking, asking them direct questions occasionally. So with my oldest, you know, a couple of months ago, I was like, what do you think about baptism? What do you think is going on? So we, we do Lord's Supper at Trinity every every week. Uh, I was like, what do you think is going on there? And does that mean, are you uh, are you interested in that? What, what are you thinking about these things? And, you know, some of your friends are getting baptized. Or is that, um, what do you think? What do you think about those things? And so had, um, yeah, had a real long and very good conversation about that. And, and another thing I, uh, that, that's helped in, in that is sort of before all this stuff hit is having um, having weekly lunches with each one of them. So mm. just sort of altering that up and that that allowed for there to sp be space just to be normal and to relate. But occasionally sort of push in and say, oh, yeah, uh, you know, why did that uh, why did that gal's comment make you feel bad or what, what do you think is going on there? How would you yeah. know, that, that kind of stuff? So, so narrative just makes it day to day. It makes it hourly. It makes it minute by minute. It gives you, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to put all my Christianity in, in this 30 minute block right after dinner. Um, it says, no, let's say, do that, do that, do that really, really well, but also just push it out throughout the rest of your day because the whole, we're all living at it day in and day out. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful exercise for, um, for the parents, because it's forcing you to, to, to look at places where the gospel intersects because the truth, and we say it all the time. It's not a novel phrase that everyone's a theologian, right? Even mm -hmm. the atheist who says, this is not what a God would look like. It's like, well, you start with this presupposition that you know what a God would look like, which is a theological statement. Yeah. Um, and so for us as parents to recognize places in our life where our kids, and it's good for us because the problem of our sinful hearts is that we're more apt to see faults in other people's understanding than our own. And yet when we see it in our kids, there are, there are kids like yeah. whether um, biologically or just through adoption, you're, they're a mirror of you. And so you're beginning to see pieces of your own failings in uh, your own weaknesses in there. And yeah. to say, Hey, for theology this week, we're not going to sit down and do a, you know, a, a three part outline on original sin, but we are going to, to look and see and, and talk about, you know, what was going on in your heart when, when this happened? Why were you responding this way? Or why do you think at school this person treated you this way? Yeah. Like, are you, are you seeing that we're naturally bent to care yeah. for people or are we naturally bent to, to take from other people? And yeah. it ties it to scripture. And so I think when it comes to teaching, theology is for better or for worse, um, an ominous word to most people. And yet it's just the, 
the, the categorizing of, of who God is and how we relate to that, right? God's theology you saw in Genesis 1, it's invitational. It's inviting us to participate in it. And so learning to um, invite our kids into it through conversation is really helpful. And if you're a parent and you're listening to this, you're like, this sounds great. And I don't even know what it looks like to begin to do that. I would actually recommend this book to you because it's written in a way where you might say, I don't know theology. I, I don't know the categories. I don't know the terms. And the truth is, if you know the gospel, you've got the seedbed for all of this. And it's just growing in your understanding of articulating that um, and seeing with more clarity, what has actually happened in your salvation and the nature of the God um, who you worship. And so I think one thing that uh, has been difficult for me, and maybe you could speak to this just as a, a theology professor and as a parent, is the way my mind works, it's, it's hard for me to... Uh, so here's a story. I was reading through Mark with Owen just for his his school. We got to do Bible with him for school. And we're reading through Mark, and it shows that uh, Jesus was baptized. And Owen's first question at seven years old is, well, if Jesus is sinless, why does he need to be baptized? And I'm like, all right, we're having this conversation right now. So we're getting into, you know, what does it mean to fulfill all righteousness? And so that's how Owen thinks. And Owen thinks like me. My daughter does not think like me. And kind of uh, concrete facts like that are are difficult for her. And so I can get frustrated in working with her because she doesn't <laughs> fully understand the doctrine of penal substitution. <laughs> like I'll, I'll spell it out for her and I'll say, hey, Adley, here we are on Good Friday. Why did Jesus have to die? And she will um, wrestle with that conversation. And yet... I don't expect even someone I'm sharing the gospel with to understand that aspect in the first time I'm sitting down with them. What are some of the nuances that we need to prepare ourselves for when it comes to teaching our kids about salvation, about theology? Yeah, I mean, I think one you're getting at directly is that you have to understand who the child is. Just like, you know, when you're sharing the gospel, there's a place in time just to sort of throw it out there and just see what happens. But, but it's good to know who, who you're talking to. So I know with cert, certain kids, um, certain of my children, they're going to be bent more emotionally first. That's going to be their, their sort of their gateway. So I know if I talk to sin to one of my uh, children, I know the first response is, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything. That's the first response. And I know that. So maybe I try uh, a different strategy, not to soften the reality of sin, but also to connect that sin consistently to what God's work is at the cross. How that sin, uh, and this is something that all theology needs, is, is, and this is what God does, how that sin is, is, is dealt with in a just and loving and holy and merciful way. So it's, pull, it's, it's showing that sin, but it's also elevating, elevating who God is and, and what he has done beyond, beyond measure. Yeah. So that's, that would be the first thing. I would just say, know, know your kiddos, and that's going to take, take time. Secondly, and to your point earlier, is know yourself. Know what your proclivities are. Know where your sort of places of, of interest are. And learn how to spread that out as a parent learn how to see the world from their perspective. So it's, it's, it's not far off from being the pastor. 
So what your kids are teaching you, um, what your kids are teaching, uh, and it's not just pastors, it's anybody we're relating with. It's recognizing that people people are, are different. They're coming at it from different perspectives um, and the world from different perspectives. And we as communicators have to learn how to, how to engage those different perspectives. Um, so it means listening. It means interacting with them. It means also thinking not as concretely all the time, which is scary mm -hmm. for some of us. Yeah, uh, because we begin to think, okay, now we're st if it's not concrete, then it's not truth. Yeah. Um, but you start thinking, and like what we're just talking about, start thinking about in terms of images and examples and those kind of things. That's what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus, when he is confronting the crowds, is giving them stories. He's giving them parables. And it now, wasn't to water down the truth. It was meant it to clarify the water truth. Down the truth. It was to clarify and sort of drive a wedge between those who get it and those who don't. Right. Um, and then, and then the other thing is this: I, I think there's there's a massive amount of 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 weight as parents we carry. We have to get these kids saved. We have to get them baptized. And so, uh, so we do so many things. And maybe maybe some of us are are being really really hard on our kids. Uh, maybe some of them are being really really giving a lot of concessions to the kids. And so, I, I want to say is. You have to bathe this in prayer because you are not the ones who save your kids. And we can say we, we say that a lot, right? But at the same time, our actions don't necessarily sort of correspond with that. So you right. you, you you have to you have to give space to that. Uh, and you have to so you'd be praying through, laying your children down before the Lord, asking them to do a mighty work. Um, and simultaneously, recognizing that this like there's room for the spirit here the spirit has to work the spirit has to be doing uh, a mighty work so you are not the cause of their salvation you are an instrument mm. for that work so you just want to make yourself available to that at all times which is really really hard uh, so go back even further, like art, art is, so we, we, what we're saying is don't, don't compartment, don't help your kids compartmentalize the gospel and like, so, okay, I only do it on Sundays. I only do it during right. family worship. <laughs> well, that's art. And they do that because we do that. Yeah. Right. And so teaching them sort of uncompartmentalize, have those spaces during the day. So by no means am I saying don't go to church or don't have, you know, family worship, but I'm just saying, help them see, show them how to push that into every aspect of their life. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you know, just you, you have, there, there's gonna be times where you look at your kids and you say, I don't see any way this child is going to be saved. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you see that and you feel that. I mean, even with your young kids, you're just like, you're talking to them, to, you know, about Jesus. And the next thing, you know, they're talking to you about the Avengers. I'm somehow it transferred that way. That don't don't just fall off the just don't just give up and just like you know this is this is difficult. Just recognize that every second of your life is sort of tilling that soil. And the other thing I would say to that is find parents who are ten to twenty years ahead of you, and just ask them for wisdom. Ask them for advice. You look at their families. And you see uh, God's faithfulness and evidence of, of fruit there. 
ask him how it was because what you're seeing probably is just the cover of the book and it looks all nice and shiny. They can open up those pages and say, there was 15 years where this kid was just off the rails. Yeah. Um, and what did we do? There was nothing we could do. So recognizing that the narrative that you're living in, there are other narratives out there. So to pick up on that metaphor again, there are other narratives out there that, that are going to be really, really helpful to you. Um, and read good biographies too, uh, things that mm. would help help you see okay um, how, how this plays out. Uh, and here's another thing. Here's nothing that I consistently um, just trip up on. Uh, and I feel super convicted by is that I import my, you know, 40 odd some years of living and I push it into my 11 year old and my eight year old. And I'm thinking, why, why don't you think this? Why don't you understand these things? Um, and so I am consistently being convicted about that and saying, so it's good to sort of occasionally figure out a way to put yourself into your kid's shoes, to remember yourself as best you can as an eight-year-old. Talk to your parents mm. if you have that privilege. How dumb was I when I was eight years old? <laughs> remind me You're of right. my stupidity. Yeah. Um, remind me of my just you know lack of logical awareness, that, that kind of thing, so that there's so that you're able to understand and feel and sense, uh, you know, what, what, what's going on there. Like our kids right now, uh, somehow their gift to, to our family during this time is leaving like all their food, leaving their bags of food everywhere throughout the house, everywhere. And I'm just sitting there thinking, you know, how could they even do, how could they do this? How could they do this? And then I remember when God's good and he's always good. But when he reminds me, uh, uh, you know, you probably did this yesterday. <laughs> right. That kind of thing. So it's just, it's just, you know, gracious reminders of our own fallenness, of our own brokenness. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think that brings up, um, and my wife is uh, far better at this than me. She's generally a, a bit more introspective than me, um, which is, is a blessing in a lot of ways uh, <laughs> and uh, challenging in a lot of ways as well. But she, she has gotten really good and probably I would say the most impactful spiritual moments my kids have is when my wife goes and apologizes to them mm -hmm. and asks mm -hmm. for forgiveness because what they're seeing and what my wife is being really, what Sarah's being really intentional to do is she's articulating theological verbiage behind right. what happened right. of lack of trust and fear and disobedience um, and, and acceptance by grace and a response of repentance. Yeah. And um, I've tried to do it before. It's just not nearly as spiritual <laughs> because uh, it's, it's, a, it's beautiful to watch Sarah do it. And it leads me to want to repent and to want to do that better. And so I think um, that the wonderful thing about godly parenting is that we actually, in our faults are mm -hmm. a wonderful moment to remind our kids that yeah. I'm not the best dad. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I'm not, I, I will never be. If yeah. I am your presupposition of what a good dad yeah. is, it's going to crush you. It's going to crush me. It's going to ruin everything. Yeah. 
And so actually embracing that and knowing that that we're going to articulate things poorly. We're going to miss moments. We're going yeah. to respond in anger. We're going to be we're going to be in the throes of wanting to have the greatest family worship. And we are going to become livid because none of our kids will sit still. Um, yeah. And in those moments, God is is giving us a window. He is before our eyes, putting us in a narrative where we could show ourselves as the jester so that yeah. Jesus might look like the hero. Yeah. Um, and, and then and then that your your, your point of, of prayer. Um one thing I always tell guys who are, are residents who are training to preach is that you you're, don't feel bound to exhaust a text in your first time sitting with it. You're going to have the rest of your ministry to preach Amen. God's preach, word. Preach. And, and so with parenting, it's like, you don't you're know just, how to saying that so that they don't preach four four hour sermons. That's true. Uh, they say that to me, actually. <laughs> like, like, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the truth is, is like God has appointed the days you have with your child. And he knows that your faithfulness over time is going to be better than a, a dump truck in a moment. And so, so trusting that God has put you in all of your finite abilities in a place to, to through the word of God, through the worship of God, through the people of God, through the spirit of God, um, to do what in scripture he generally says is, is, is true in blessing the Christian family. It's not perfect. It's not always effective. The only thing that's effective 100% is um, the, the blood of Jesus calling his people to respond in faith. And we can hope um, because it worked for us and there's nothing special about us that God too will, will um, awaken the eyes of our children's heart to the beauty of his gospel. Amen. Because of that, go make a mess of it. Yeah. <laughs> go, go teach your kids, go read your Bible with your kids, teach them theology, talk about the shows you're watching. Um, and, and realize that it all matters. It all counts. So thank you so much, Ryan, for sitting down with us. Uh, if you haven't bought his book yet, um, you now have to go buy his book because basically to apply this well, to parent well, um, you need to buy Ryan's book. Uh, so go do that. Um, we appreciate you guys. We, we, we pray for Trinity Church often. Um, and uh, it was a privilege to get to connect with you.